Alright, it's May 20th, 2021. This is Rook. She is an Iranian-American performer who has become known as one of the best female singer-songwriters in the diaspora. She is celebrated for her sublime voice and her captivating performances in Persian, but she's a kid who grew up in the States and has never actually been to Iran. Rana Mansour was playing piano by the age of three and writing songs in her early teens. She's grown into the Iranian star behind songs like Shoharipuldaram Barun, and she is fresh off co-hosting the musical TV show Replay. Rana Mansour joins us for a feature interview today, plus a new edition of It's All Persian to Us. This is conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to episode number 112 of Rook. A big hello to those of you in all places around the world. We're coming to you from Toronto, Canada. A special shout out to those of you listening in the UK. Captain Reza, you know this, I think. The UK has become the number four country in terms of our audience. It has supplanted Germany and Australia. It's catapulted itself. The country of my birth, yeah, my uh, brothers and sisters there in the UK. Uh, number four, of course, it's uh, Canada, US, Iran, and then the UK. So a, sh- a shout out to my uh, fellow vaccinated AstraZeneca <laughs> people. I was just going to say that. Maybe that's yeah, the reason why. <laughs> they, they realized I got the same vaccine and they <laughs> oh, started brother. listening to the show. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I, I love that. I love that there's a lot of a lot of people listening in the UK. Uh, welcome to Rook. We are on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. Uh, we're coming to you on Spotify, SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Castbox and Telegram. If you like to see some visuals with your Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in Persian as well as in English, check us out on Telegram. Rana Mansour coming up in just a few minutes from Los Angeles. Uh, you know, Shia, I I was thinking about her. I, I think she is one of the great vocalists of the world right now. I think so, yeah. You know, I want to issue the disclaimer here because I think, especially in the Persian community, we have a tendency to big up things mm-hmm. like, like you know, it's like, Pesaraman, Bissarashipesishkamhas, that kind of thing. Uh, she is one of the best piano players, but uh-huh. she's seven, you know, like that. Kind of, but in the case of Rana Mansour, I actually think, I mean, she is just such an extraordinary talent. And, uh, you know, whether it's your musical style or it isn't, whether you know her, you don't know her, whether you're Iranian, you're not Iranian, this woman's voice is just a beautiful instrument. Yeah, I told you the the previous episode, actually, I told you that the first time I listened to her voice, I was like, 
oh, this is it. We need this voice yeah. in our industry. I think I told you that, and then you told me that back. Uh, I don't don't try and claim this. I, I said it first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Is Radomans who are on the phone yet? <laughs> I think she just hung up. Yeah, they're trying to take We're fighting over her before the her show has started. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rana Mansour joining us uh, from Los Angeles in uh, just a few moments. Uh, hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Gian. We do some formal introductions. Hello, Groovy Shia. Hi, and the, the Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Uh, hey, in the coming days on uh, Rook, I wanted to announce we have Nima Nazeri coming up. Uh, he is an Iranian-Canadian, I guess you call him a comedian, performer. Yeah, definitely a comedian. He's so funny. He's the best. He's very. You think he's the he's best? He's probably the funniest comedian in Toronto. I can, uh, like, I'll put my stamp of ooh, approval right there and say big. it. Yeah. Okay, in Toronto. I think, That's yeah, in Toronto. just in this city. But maybe even soon the world. Who mm. knows? You never know. So he, in Calgary, there might be somebody better. May, I don't know. I don't live <laughs> right. in Calgary. I live in Toronto, you and think I can in Toronto. say, matter of fact, that he's the best. Right, right. <laughs> He is the best in <laughs> the best. best in the world. In, in this on on the three streets in which the, the radius of which where he lives. Four blocks radius. Toronto is, is a best. large city. It is I'll have city. you know this. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. I look forward to having him in studio. He's coming into the Rook studio. He's very funny. He makes these uh funny videos on um, social media and he he's also an actor and a comedian. Uh, Nima Nazari also, we've not announced this yet, but I will announce right now, Hila Sediri. Mm. So uh, does that name sound familiar to no. you? No? no? Well, I'll tell you. Well, I, I know Shia would yeah, probably know yeah. her or know of her. She is a poet and a social activist in Iran. I guess it was hash the hash. It was the, during the Green Movement that she became exactly. very well known, yes. very young at the time, and doing and very outspoken as a poet, a political poet in Iran. She's quite captivating when she speaks and the way she looks, and uh, and she will be joining us from Iran. Hila Sediri. I know there's a lot of people in the diaspora around the world who know of her, know her, follow her. Uh, I'm very interested to get to talk to her, and then as well Sahar Fatemi who is in the UK. She was a football analyst. That Ooh. That's interesting <laughs> enough. Uh, an Iranian-British football, like soccer, you know, football analyst. But now she's created this site called Tadik Lover. <laughs> <laughs> which nice is transition. Popular. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, and who can disagree with these things? Uh, so, you know, I think she has, I just want to say this before Shia does, the best Tadik. <laughs> <laughs> but she makes Tadik? Like, she's the Tadik maker? She, uh, you got, I mean, to go to her Instagram. It's okay. called Tadik. Lover, she's got out. a whole website, and then you know, but yeah, yeah, she makes all kinds of different uh, Tadik and celebrates the the splendor, the magic of Tadik. Magic of Tadik. Come on now, <laughs> if you are a fan of what you uh, of our program, if you're a regular listener, we would love you to become a patron uh, of Rook. We are an independent program, uh, no big corporate funding. Uh, we want to remain independent, not beholden to any corporation, any network, any party, any ideology. Uh, we want to stay indie. We can only do that through your help. Uh, so if you go to our website, rookmedia.com, it's really simple to do. Support us by uh, hitting the support us button. And uh, 5 or $10 a month, uh, you become a patron of Rook. We so appreciate those of you who've become patrons and help to keep us going. Uh, you can also subscribe on any of our platforms for free, uh, as well as becoming a patron. So uh, we invite you to do that. Um, 
I had an incident with my little French bulldog, Oogie, this morning that made me um, think about how we've been living in this era of wearing masks. Mm. And I feel, you know, it feels, I don't want to get too optimistic, but it feels like that's going to come to an end in the next, in the coming months or years. (laughs) If ever. It's been an interesting exercise. Like in a way, I kind of, liked it it's like we've been involved in a masquerade party like a costume party for (laughs) for a global everybody you know disguise themselves you know uh but of course you know there is something liberating about removing the mask and i was thinking about how animals must see us you know Mm. because we suddenly went we became these people who would wear coverings on our heads Mm. you know on our faces Uh, and like, what do they make of it? You know. <laughs> so today, as you can see, I'm wearing my cola cap, okay, my yeah, baseball cap, yeah. and I was wearing shades. I was wearing like dark sun. I was sunglasses, my yeah. the big sunglasses, and I had the mask on. <laughs> oh, no. So I basically look like a you know, a, well, a bandit. Yeah, I look, uh, I look like I'm in full disguise. You know, I look like Michael Jackson. You know, when he was trying to hide that he was Michael Jackson yeah, and. Yeah. You know, he'd wear the, I don't know if, the, if that's what he was doing. He would wear the mask sure. and the yeah. shades and the the helmet or whatever. But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, and to come into this building, of course, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was taking Oogie. Uh, now, Oogie has his own little home at the back of my car. You know, it's it's a hatchback, you know, and so you open up the back and, yeah. and Oogie has his bed there and everything. And normally I open it and I go, all right, let's go, buddy. And he jumps out, you know. And I had the the shades and the mask and the hat. <laughs> he knows it's me, but he was just staring at me like he wouldn't move. And he was just like, "What the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> what? What? What's? Why are you dressed like you know?" Where's my dad? And I swear he couldn't figure it out. He he. I mean, dogs are so intuitive and they're mm. sensitive. And he, I'm sure he knew it was me. Are you sure? But he was just. He cocked his head. He was kind of looking at me like, "What? What? What?" And so I finally I had to take off the. I took off the sunglasses i took off the mask and, and i was like come on and then he jumped out you know but he was he wasn't having any of it he was like he didn't yeah. scream in terror <laughs> <laughs> it was so life. interesting so, like yeah. what do animals think of us you know in this moment do you want to know what i think about you as a <laughs> as speaking an animal, animal? <laughs> yes i'm scared yes. to know yeah. animal, i love that i mean i always can recognize you uh-huh. by the you have a very particular style when you stand up. Uh, what is yeah. that style? Mm, it has a very drummer curve, especially when you walk. You uh, you can tell I'm a drummer. I can uh, no, I can't say that you count your walk. I mean, you 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 have a metronome. In I your do have a metronome, mind but I don't know walk. if I count while I'm walking. No, I mean, there's a rhythm when I'm. Yes, walk. yes, oh. yes. Like the, I'll dig, take that. Dig, dig. But that what what was this thing when I'm standing? It's a weird it's, conversation. I don't, know, what to, I don't know what I'm just What's happening letting with it play you? out. The point is are that you, I, I, are I you stoned again before the show? <laughs> it's early. Again. Well, I mean, you know, with Shai, you never know what you're getting here. The is point, that what you're are you what are you imagining right now? You know, the way I'm standing. The, the, the point is that I want to say that I am an animal. I saw uh-huh. this conversation. This was so that you could say you are an animal. <laughs> All right. Speaking you didn't need to clarify that. We're, we're, you're certainly an animal. But with a hat and a mask and sunglasses, it's pretty hard to recognize Jan, I would no, say. No, that's what I'm going yeah. to say. Oh. You know, you don't have to recognize Jan by his face. But he's, he's a dog. I don't think he recognizes. Oh, no, no. Oogie can, Oogie, you know, uh, like I'd say, 
half a kilometer away. Can really? you know, he's, he's people. Uh, they got good eyes too. You know, he that's can, crazy. he can, no, and he can, he can feel it. You know, mm. so that's why. I, look, he, I'm right near him. I knew he knew it was me, but he. he I, I think he was more. It was editorial. Like he was like, "What is this all about?" He's making now? fun of you. He, he's <laughs> kind of yeah. He's like, "What did? Is this really necessary? What a clown. This whole getup? Do you have like you know? Even if you have to wear the mask, what about this hat uh, now? What are you shame doing? On you, exactly. Come on, be he a was man. just. He was just not. <laughs> He, he basically it was Oogie's way of saying intelligent animal I've never had a dog so I, I have no clue this is I can tell dog. because you're a little slightly disparaging you know of, of Oogie and, and <laughs> his, disparaging yeah he's uh, he's actually very smart hmm. he's a very highly intelligent he's cute being. and sweet I just never thought of him as an intelligent <laughs> animal, I barely think. I barely think Reza is. is seldom have you said anything that has offended me. <laughs> I barely think Reza is an intelligent animal, well, let alone Ugi. So, exactly. You know, the, I mean, the bar if you're is high. In the comparison with Reza, yeah. <laughs> Ugi's a road scholar. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, Ugi's handwriting is a lot better than Reza's. So <laughs> that's for it. sure. <laughs> that's true. Uh, after taking uh, a small respite, we are going to be back on Clubhouse uh, tomorrow night. I don't know if we'll do it every week, but let's do it tomorrow night, right? Okay. Now, I was, I'm was i trying to think of what our topic is, and I was thinking we've, we have received so much <laughs> re- reaction to Monday's episode oh with Dr. God. Angie Sadiqi. I'm not sure if we've ever gotten, you know. People do not want to give up their cab on, let alone their moms. Iranians are super yeah. defensive. Yeah. You start talking about giving up meat and dairy. Yeah. So to recap, for III. those who missed it, and please go back and listen to episode 111, we had Dr. Angie Sadeghi, a sort of well-known gastroenterologist in, in Los Angeles or Newport Beach. And uh, she's got a big social media following, and she is very passionate about advocating for a non-dairy, a dairy-free diet, a plant-based diet. She's a vegan, uh, and she makes the case for it. Mm-hmm. And I knew because even leading up to the show, uh, you know, there was a couple of members of the, of the team. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, said, uh, <laughs> Ooh, you know, I find this uh, you know, controversial, <laughs> and I've got problems, and you know, and uh, I mean, you know, he, he <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I knew that we were going to get some uh, pushback, you yeah. know. And, uh, but, uh, wow, I mean, there's people who love what she, her message and mm-hmm. what she has to say. Um, and then there's people who disagree. But then there's this whole other category of people who are, Take I mean, you'd think that her. we were attacking, you know, she was attacking somebody's mother, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like, how dare you? This is, you know, uh, wow. and we're talking about milk and meat, you know, it's not a, but boy, yeah. what a conversation. <laughs> It's got really got people going. Yeah, I can't wait to pull up the letters for uh, Monday's show. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you pick out of the letters of the week next Monday. So, so I was thinking for Clubhouse tomorrow. And I'm, I've, I've left a message for it. Would be great if we could get Dr. Angie herself mm. and have her respond to some of this. But maybe what we'll do is talk about uh, whether you're ready to give up your panita and kebab mm. to uh, the Persian community tomorrow night on Clubhouse. We'll talk about something, if not that. <laughs> uh, Eight p.m. Toronto. <laughs> time new york time find us on clubhouse uh we're all there under our names we've got a new uh episode before we get to rana mansoor let me just uh, remind folks that after rana 
a new episode of It's All Persian to Us coming yeah, out. Yeah, this one's interesting, guys. Oh. I know I've said this before, but this you is You have, this and is you never cool. deliver. You say it, and then it beca- it's a All disappointment. Right. All right, yeah. where's my, uh, <laughs> let me just prepare my slap. <laughs> uh, no, it's, yeah. so this is very popular in the summertime. Like, I can say, like, everybody likes what I, like, this mm. item that I'm going to reveal. Okay. All right. We'll have a new episode of It's All Persian to Us coming up. Uh, The fabulous Keon. We'll see you in just a little bit. Groovy Shia, Captain Reza, stick around. Let's get to our feature guest. And my feature guest today is an Iranian-American singer-songwriter that you might just recognize, besides the fact that she sings in at least 10 different languages. If you are a fan of Persian music, you will likely have heard her very special voice. Take a listen to this. Taste of the song Barun by Rana Mansur, a song that appeared on her first Persian language album entitled Rana Mansur in 2015. Rana was born in the States in Virginia near Washington, D.C., where she grew up. She began playing piano, the story goes, at the age of three and was singing not too long after that. By the time she was 14, she was writing songs and at 17 began attending the prestigious Berklee College School of Music in Boston, where she would receive a music degree with honors. Rana had released some of her own songs on a record called Sweet 16 as a teenager in 1997 and then put out a compilation on iTunes called The Adventures of Indie Girl in 2008 in English. But it was perhaps with her Persian debut that she made her biggest splash in 2015 with the sassy single Shoharapuldar and a compelling mix of jazz and pop and ballads. Rana's music challenged the standard arrangements often heard in Persian pop. She followed that up with an album called Eshkin knob in 2019 as well as a record of acoustic covers in english and has released a number of singles in the last couple of years she has been seen performing on the real housewives of beverly hills on manoto tv's hit show stage and bbc persian to name a few places and she has performed all over the world including headlining the charsham basuri festival in malmo sweden and was most recently the co-host of replay a popular music show on mbc persia but right now Rana Mansour joins me from Los Angeles. Hello. Hey, Gian. How are you? Thank you so much for the lovely intro. I'm so happy to have you on the program. Thank you so much for doing this. What were you thinking as you heard Barun just now? I'm always curious. Do you like listening to your older material? I don't <laughs> I don't like really listening to any of my material, to be totally honest with you. I even have a hard time going back and watching previous interviews, listening to the sound of my voice when I talk, when I laugh. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I am for sure my own worst critic, big time. But I'll tell you what I was thinking about when I heard Barun. Barun was actually the first song that I released officially. It wasn't Shohara Pulda. Shohara Pulda was 
my first like really well recognized song. Yes. Varun was the first music video that I released and I was going through a lawsuit at that time. Yes. And so um Sirusikher Duni was the director of that video and I had just like ripped myself away from a from a management company that had like we signed a contract and they breached their end of the contract basically and so because of their breach I walked and because I walked they decided to sue me I mean it was just a really tumultuous and dramatic thing that happened in my in my career and Sirusikher Duni just kind of like magically appeared and was like I, I want to do a video for you I believe in you and this is the song that you know I've picked to do the video and uh yeah so that's every time i hear that song i think about and also the guy that did the arrangement same thing like he was like i love this song um i want to do the arrangement for you and i want to help you out uh vahan yeah just lovely people will enter into your life if you stay true to yourself even though you can't prevent challenges you can't prevent ups and downs do you know why i have a smile on my face why? <laughs> because I, I barely asked a question yet. I know, I talked a lot. <laughs> You're a fantastic guest. You just press go and, <laughs> and Rana delivers. Uh, I mean, you've said a lot there. There's so much, right. but but it sounds like it was the right choice. It, <laughs> like it, it was the right choice to play off the top. It invoked all kinds of emotions in you. I'm glad to hear, uh, well, I'm, I'm not glad to hear about your lawsuit, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that song is, is a pivotal song because it felt like it. It feels like it listening to it and it certainly seems like a turning point in your career if you look at it it was after 2015 where you really got known from that record and some of those songs um but two steps back where you said i don't like listening to anything um what is it that makes it so difficult i mean because with you in particular uh and we're going to get into this but uh, you really have an outstanding voice i mean you would be the last person in the world i would think would have trouble listening back to her singing voice uh, so surely you can't find fault with your singing voice, do you? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm a total, total perfectionist. So when I listen back at stuff, I will. And also a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm, I was formally educated. And I've just, a lot of it has to do with that as well. You know, it's the perfectionist side of me. It's the, the side of me that's had the honor of having a formal education. So I can hear it and I can be like, oh, it's just not it. I, I just never felt like I could make the perfect song or the perfect record. Nothing. I can't honestly look back at anything and maybe a few things and be like, How okay, long did I it take between the release uh, before you hate it? <laughs> we used to ask that in my old band because, you, you know, you always feel, the joke is that you always feel like when you're making the record, it's the best thing you've ever done. And then, you know, it's a matter of how many, how many weeks, how many months, how many years until I really hate this. Uh, what about you? How long does it take? Mm. as soon as it's released honestly like as soon as wow. it's done and it's released it's like okay moving on let's go to the next one you know it's done it's done it's done like huh. let's go to the next that's quite a curse being that much of a perfectionist huh you don't cut yourself any slack i mean it, does that go for performances too are you gonna uh you, you know when we play a bit of that outstanding performance of you doing the tribute to abby are you gonna say oh I, my god that, you I, I did not have a sound check or a, they did not give me a sound check or a rehearsal for that. <laughs> so I got my yeah. answer. You're not going to consider that. You're incredible there. That's amazing. No, I, there's, a, there's a part where at the very, very end, I'm trying to like match with the drummer. I'm playing like, 
and I'm trying to cue him, and I'm literally a beat before he is. Listen, like, oh. let me tell you something, Berkeley music <laughs> grad kid. You know that the secret sauce in the magic in music is not perfection, right? Is that we're not robots. The Rolling Stones were loose. That's why they were so good. As long as you've got the groove. So when you're doing that live performance, I'm going to fight you on that one. That, that Ebby tribute, we'll get to that. Listen, we'll get to that. Let's start from the beginning. It seems like you were fated to do this. I mean, you're so good as a player and singer. Your voice is a beautiful instrument and you you've been doing this since you were 3. You're like um you're like Maradona out on the field as a kid playing soccer. Everyone's like this kid's going to play forever, you know. Was it obvious that this was going to be your life? Do you do you remember a time in your life where music wasn't going to be the thing? No. My first 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 memory of joy was music. Pure, pure, pure joy. I'll never forget it. I was sitting in the backseat of my dad's car. Something came on the radio. I was very young. I was very young. And I heard, now I know what that chord progression is. But at that time, I didn't know what that chord progression was. I was a kid. It just, it created this huge emotional wave inside of me that I I can't forget it. What was the song? Do you remember what it was? No, no, no. I just remember what I heard. I just remember that, that, the chord progression, the music, how it was moving, mm-hmm. and emotionally what it did to me. It was joy and sadness, like a deep, 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 like all in one. It's very hard to explain. It's Well, it's um, the emotions, but you've also talked about music being a safe space for yeah. you, especially when you were young and dealing with what you've called the chaos of life. How, how was music a safe space? Um, well, it, because of that initial feeling that I had, that I bonded with music on such a deep emotional level, so I felt really safe. I felt understood. Even it's an inanimate, it's not an animate thing. Like it's an inanimate thing. Like it's not a human being, but I felt it understood me, and I felt like I understand it. Like it just, it's, it's, it was just a very safe place to be for me emotionally. It was something that felt very natural and healing. And I was so drawn to it, like I just wanted to eat it up, you mm. know. How does it play out on a practical level? Like if you you get in a, a fight with your parents and the, like going and playing oh, the piano. Would, oh, would, like what would I, like literally how was yeah, it? Yeah, literally I, how is it, yes, how would you exercise the safe space? It was that, it was like, um, you know, parents putting, you know, the pressures that parents put on children. And then there's also the social pressures of like, that's what I would do. I would just go in my room. My dad would, and I would lock the door and my dad being the Persian dad that he is, that was like unacceptable. We don't, you know, no, I need to know everything that you're doing. (laughs) Um, But I would just be like, dad, I can't deal with you right now. This is the only thing I want to do. And he'd be like, you have a million other responsibilities that you need to do. You need to face your responsibilities. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I'd be like, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to do any of those things. I just want to do the thing that makes me feel calm and gives me peace because all these other outside things are not giving me calmness and peace, you know? Although they understood or enabled you as a musician, right? Because, I mean, you get to go to Berkeley. They they weren't saying, no, you have to be a doctor. So you at least had that part. Oh, yeah. No, my my dad and my mom also in her in her own way, they definitely supported me a lot. The the rest of the family was like not having it. And you know how in Persian families, I don't know how how your family is, but in our family, it was like everybody was involved. 
Like it wasn't just mom and dad. It was like everybody's involved. The Amis had an opinion. The Amus, actually my Amu was pretty chill. He was like, just do whatever makes you happy, kid. But the other ones were just like, no, they would tell my dad, this is this is wrong. And so he would be constant. He, it was hard for him, you know, for sure. You know, this uh, I have to get into this right away in terms of as we're talking about Persian families and the way you were brought up and your dad. And, I have to tell you, I assumed until very recently, you probably heard this before, I don't know, I assumed you were some Persian singer who came from Iran. I mean, like like maybe even recently. I mean, what do I know? It, it, I mean, it turns out you were not only born in the States, uh, like me, you grew up in the West. You've never even been to Iran. I mean, at least I've been to Iran. You haven't even been there. It is such an interesting thing to learn when my first window into Rana Mansur was not knowing you as an English singer and songwriter, which you have been, but but as a Persian artist. What is it like to be really well known as a Persian artist, known for singing in Farsi, who has never been to Iran? First of all, I didn't know that I'm really well known. So thank you for telling me that. And I'm not just saying that, I, honest to God, like, I, I don't know how far that goes. In the Iranian community, in, in the Iranian community, you're, you're pretty uh, well, in, you in know LA, In LA, I've been active, very active in LA. And because I've never been to Iran physically, I, I don't know mm. the extent to, I'm being genuinely honest with you, John. Like, right. I know that people know me here in Los Angeles, and I know that people know me in D.C., because that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people that know me in Iran. I don't know the extent of how far that goes. But anyway, can you tell me what the question was again? Sorry. Well, the question, but, but no, but that's interesting. Don't yes. you think if you're getting hundreds of thousands of views of, of your videos that somebody knows who you are? I also don't follow that. Okay. I also don't okay. follow the numbers and the stats and the statistics. I don't. I have literally chosen not to look at that. Even if it makes you feel good? <laughs> you know, every once in a while like my team will be like hey look at this you know they'll show me they'll be like look at the comments like read this read that they'll tell me it's just not a focal point i'm right. like my focal point is is the music my focal point is um creating improving and being the best 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 possible version of myself that i could ever be whether it's in English and Farsi or whatever. It's All right. Like well, here, here, here's the question. Here's what the question that I asked. It. Right. I feel like the subtext of this interview has to be um, biculturalism. I mean, because you are the, you're sort of this paragon of someone who is has one foot in both worlds in a different way than I have because I've I've been much more let's call it Western for the sake of argument, even though I've always identified as, as a Persian and I, you know, did TV shows and talked about being Iranian and all that. I, I, I really haven't performed in Farsi in the Persian community the way you have. It's very interesting to me. So the, the initial question is, what's it like to be known? Let's not say really well known so you don't get hung up on that. Known <laughs> as a Persian artist known for singing in Farsi when you actually didn't grow up in Iran. It's, it's a really good feeling. It feels really good. It feels like um, I accomplished something that a lot of people told me was impossible. You know, who told you it was impossible? Oh, I mean, family members and people here. You know, in the industry, um, there's a there's a you know particular platforms that at that time when I was starting out doing Persian music, um, that flat out were like, I'm not, we're not putting your music on mm -hmm. our website, mm -hmm. and. It's, it's the Persian music market. We don't, 
how many platforms do we have? And, and you think that's, say, is that because of the kind of music so, you were playing or because it, you're not, you didn't grow up in Iran? It was, a, it sounded to me like it was a mixture. It was like, it's the kind of music. It's the fact that you don't understand the culture. And so the culture will never understand you. You know, they'll never get your music because you're just too far out there. It's too Western or it's too this or whatever it was. It was like, it's not, there was like, iruni pasanist, you know? Interesting. Your music isn't iruni pasan. It's not, they're not going to like it. But going back to your question, it feels really good. It feels like I I accomplished, it's, it's a really big, good personal goal for me that I was like, I was able to do this and I've been able to have hits in a country I've never been to. Um, Did you grow up self-identifying as a, a Persian girl, I mean, like you've mentioned the formal training. You go to Berkeley at 17, yeah. which, by the way, is remarkable. Uh, and uh, that's a great school. And you're, you know, you're still just a teenager. You go there. Were, at that point, were you self-identifying as I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Persian girl here in Boston? Or did you feel quite American? Very American. All my, I, never ha- I never had a Persian friend really growing up. I had some, but my closest friends were all American. See, that makes it even more interesting, doesn't it? I mean... We had different backgrounds. Like I wasn't allowed to have sleepovers. So there was like things that I couldn't relate to with my American friends. Right, right. right there was that. There is definitely like lines that I didn't understand them and they, they couldn't understand me. Like they couldn't understand why my dad just wouldn't be okay with having a sleepover. It was like, what's the big deal? But my dad would be like, no, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> this is your home. You sleep in your home. You don't need to go yeah. and sleep in someone else's home. And it, but in American culture, it's like it's just a sleepover. What's the big deal? But in our in like our culture, it was like, what? Your home's not good enough for you? Like, absolutely not. Like, you're not. You know, I don't even. I still don't even really understand like why that was such a big. But it wasn't just that. So there were things culturally. Hot dogs. I wasn't allowed to have hot dogs. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Also not allowed to have right, ketchup. Right. right. <laughs> That's very. You see, I envy the kids who, and there's a lot of them now, uh, who grow up even though they come here to the west that is and and uh but they're fully in a persian community all their friends are persian and stuff and and even though i say the things that come on you guys you know integrate more into the community uh, you know why do you have a a persian accent even though you've you never didn't grow up there or something i envy them to a certain extent because i didn't have that at all and so the disconnect became more profound as you're talking about between my friends around me and their experience and what i was dealing with at home yeah. when you when you go to berkeley uh, I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess you already had the chops. I want to play something. It, it may seem strange to you that I've picked this. It's a cover tune, you know, an acoustic cover tune of, of the Elton John song, Rocket Man. But I wanted to play something of you singing in English just to demonstrate your chops as a singer and, and as a piano player, because I think it really shows you off. Can, can I play a little bit of this? This is from just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I actually did that. It was when Rocket, when the movie was coming out. So I was like, oh, let me cover it. It's a little bit of Rocket Man, Random Answer. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. On such a timeless flight. I think it's gonna be a long, long time 
I just love it so much, that version. Uh, It really shows you off. The interesting thing to me is that that's a cover tune, and I see you doing a lot of cover tunes. Uh, And yet, when I learn about your history, I mean, you become a finalist in 2005 for the VH1 Song of the Year competition. You got to be a teenager at that point. By the age of 21, you're signed signed (laughs) to a publishing deal with Warner Chapel. Now, uh, let me just explain to folks uh, listening out there who uh, I've had a publishing deal. It wasn't easy to get. You, You have to be considered that this means a big company thinks that you're a good enough songwriter that they're going to pay you money or put you on their roster to write songs for yourself or more likely for others. That's how good a songwriter you were at the age of 21. And yet much of what you've been doing in recent years is not the music that you write. It's a very, it's very curious. Tell me about that. That's really interesting. Um, first of all, I have all the songs are just like sitting on my laptop and not released. So there's that whole perfectionist thing. And also the timing. I'm thankfully getting back into that now. Um, I feel like I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in the Persian market. And I feel like now I'm more ready. And also like artist management has a lot to do with it. Other people's opinions and how you should start out, how you should market yourself, how you should get known. But it was like, uh, okay, I'm not 100% passionate about this, but because it's going to get me from point A to point B, and I need to get from point A to point B, I'll do that. Mm. And then I'll get to that place and I'll be like, okay, now I'm settled. Now I'm going to do the thing I really want to do. Basically, everything that you have seen of Rana Mantour up until this point has just been for me to help get my name out there. I have not even gotten started, Gian. <laughs> I have not even gotten started. And that's not an arrogance thing at all. It is like a, I know my bag here. And I have purposely held on to it and done other things because I needed to get from point A to point B. I wanted to get known in the Persian music market. How could I get known in the Persian music market? I had to do things that were a little bit more irony passant, but without like sacrificing artistic integrity too much um so accepting songs from like songwriters in iran that would be like this is it because this platforms wouldn't support me okay hang, hang so, on a second hang so on people, a second hang people, on hang people on people are attracted to familiarity three three steps back three steps okay. back because I know it's, I'm going, it's yeah. too it's too interesting <laughs> first of all why I, I'm grateful that you did. I, you, this, you've done some great work. And many people will be that you've done that you went into Persian music as well. But why make that decision? I mean, an argument could be made that you're so good. Um, you know, there's a global market in the billions for English music. Why make yeah, the di- I'm, why I'm make not dead yet? Why, I'm still no, no, no. But I'm why make the diversion? And, and you're young. But why make the diversion at all into Persian music? Why did Why did you choose to do that? Because I knew that it would get me known. I want recognition. Because how how can you as an artist, without getting public recognition, you, you got to grow, the, the numbers have to grow. So I had to like sacrifice some of my artistic integrity in order to get some recognition. Okay, so some of it because 
you've said after studying music and, and you know you taught music you've talked yeah. about how you had to let go of over 90 percent of what you learned when you when you started creating persian pop that yeah. you, that you basically had to, I couldn't, you I had to dumb do things I down do it. i couldn't use it i couldn't utilize well any that's of it. heartbreaking it, it really is and it definitely set me back on a on a creative level it set me back for a very very long time and we're talking 10 years because I've been living in LA for 10 years. So for the last 10 years, I have been doing private parties, singing mm -hmm. Farsi cover songs. I have been trying to get my name out there. I've been trying to get the numbers up without sacrificing too much of my artistic intent, like too much more. It's like, right. I already right. sacrificed that much. I was like, okay, now here's my breaking point. Like there were definitely these things that were, that came to me and I was like, right. no, I'm not accepting that. Right. There was now, a lot of material that came my way that I was like, no. A lot of opportunities that came my way that I was like, no. Let me ask you this as a musician. Explain this to me. And I'm really mean. I want you to explain this to me. Because as a Westerner, as somebody who didn't grow up uh, listening to uh, Nazi June, you know, uh, why is some Persian pop, especially the stuff that becomes very famous, that gets played a lot, that gets played at the Mahmounis, that get played on the big platforms, generally so unimaginative, uncreative, just cookie cutter over and over again, the same stuff other than some interesting covers maybe that people do. Why, why is it all the same? Why isn't it more inventive? Every cover that I've done, every cover that you've heard me do, I've yeah. made it my own. Yes. Yeah. And there's a huge benefit in singing covers and getting known through covers, especially if it's with a culture that like, especially in the Persian culture where, where, it's like, okay, I'm a female. I want to do pop. I want to do pop that's different. Right. The biggest platform is not supporting me. What are my options? What's the biggest platform? Radio Javon? At that time, they were not supporting me at all. None of my songs are on their, like maybe one or two is like on their website. Uh -huh. And I don't really care. I don't care. Good for them. Like I have no ill will towards anybody, honest to God. In fact, they did me a huge favor. Why weren't they, they supporting you? They didn't want to. I don't know. They had their reasons. They were oh. like, you're not going to make it. Your, your music, no one will connect to it. You're not going to make it. What you want to do, what your vision is for music and art is not going to work. And we're talking like we're talking about at a time that 10, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, when who else was the freaking who else was there? Now there's a lot of people. Just now people are like, oh, let's start going on Spotify. I'm like, I've been talking about Spotify for a really freaking long time. So I had a very limited options. You know, going back to the question that you asked me, how does it feel? You know what? Let's be real here. I'll tell you how it feels. Yeah. It feels like whoever said you're not going to, I went against all the odds. All the odds were stacked against me, all of them. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I wish I could only do original music, but that's not going to get me known. Shoharapuda was totally original, 100% original. Right. I wrote that. That's mine, you know. Um, but but this yeah. is what I'm trying to get you to explain to it because you would know it intimately. You're so talented. You know, you have an amazing voice. You can play. 
you're clearly well-spoken and charming. Like the only thing left seems to me, if they're saying we're not going to, is that you're not somehow playing the game. You know, you're not you're not making the exact kind of music that you're supposed to be making or something like that, or you're not doing or saying what you're supposed to do. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. What What is that? What were you supposed to be doing? Um, beats me. Ask them. <laughs> right. I don't know. But for me, in my head, I was like, I was like, OK, so you want cookie cutter stuff. So you want people that you can control like that's what you want and i'm not i'm not a, i'm not anyone that you can control i'm not anyone that you can mold me into the thing I, i'll cooperate i'm not aggressive like i'm cool and your job as a platform it's to basically be like switzerland and be like i'm here to i'm just i'm neutral hmm. does that make sense it's like d- sure there's like filters there's things that you got to be like okay I, you know we're not accepting this but as a platform, in my opinion, like Spotify doesn't do that. Spotify's like, you can find anything on yeah. Spotify. I think the problem when it comes to uh, Persian music, perhaps, is that there's no alternatives, that there isn't 20 channels that, yeah. you know, play all kinds of different stuff there. You know, right. here's the indie one. Here's the adult alternative one. Here's the, you know. And yeah. so and so, so that channel becomes the kingmaker, right? It becomes the, yeah. the one that gets to choose who, who makes it and who doesn't. Right. And it also makes me question what like those platforms, like that particular platform that because like, I, did, I did a song called Fire de Kohne. I did a song called Zen. Recently, I did a song called Azadi. Yeah. You know, that was very important for me. It was like, OK, the fact that you're not putting those songs on your on your platform. Why? Why would you not add a song that could help a lot of people? No, no one supported those songs. We did all that independently. We did. I've basically done everything independently for the last since Borun. Since the release of Borun, I have done everything independently. I've had help along the way. I've had support. So, what would you know when you say people would come to? And I, I'm not necessarily talking about like sleazy types or whatever. But what what would be the kind of thing that somebody would say? Hey, if you can just sing exactly what we tell you to do and we'll produce it and we'll put it out and we'll do the arrangement and you probably will have no connection to the song at all, but we make you a star. Is that really, you know, the only option? Either that or we won't play you? Hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever thought about it that deeply. I think for me, it was just kind of like, we're obviously not understanding each other. You go your way, I go mine. All right. Um, I mean, I'm an, you know, I'm a, I'm an artist. I'm a very passionate person. Um, I've definitely burned some bridges and it's fine. You know, you have to, I'm, I'm, I'm really in a good place right now though, Gian. Like, honestly, I'm in a really, really good place right now. I, as I mentioned before, and I'm so happy that you brought up like the fact that I've, you know, that I have so much songwriting experience and yes. I have hundreds of songs literally sitting yes. on my lap. I want to hear your songs. That's what I want to hear. They're coming. Yes. They are coming. I'm working on them now. I have been manifesting. I'm telling you, they're in my bag. Where <laughs> is the bag? Doing, I've been busy doing other things. I've been busy. Like, what is it? <laughs> Chop wood, carry water. What is it? Yeah, well, that's it. There's chopping wood and carrying water. I, I guess. Is that what I it is? It's like, I feel like I have been building myself a foundation. It, it was very tumultuous. 
But I feel, I personally now feel a lot more stable with where I'm at in my Persian music market career. I'm feeling that I'm in a place where I'm also financially stable mm -hmm. at a time where it's very difficult for a lot of people. So I, I feel very good right now. Like I feel really, really good after a very long and dark cycle. And I've been through a lot and I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, I'm like, now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, now I can do the thing I really want to do. And I'm doing that. So next year we'll be having a very different conversation. The song's in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I, I want, first of all, guard the bag. Don't, you know, put the bag somewhere safe. The, I'm writing the, right now. The songs, I feel more creative now than ever. This is what I'm I want to hear. I'm, uh, that's exciting to me. That's They're in English. You'll be able to understand That's them. what I want to know. They hey. come from Yo, my heart. It's I understand Farsi, please. The Rana Mansur that you have been waiting for. That was going to be my question. Are the songs yes. in the bag in English or are they in Farsi? In English. When you're writing, do you feel more you or does it feel more comfortable writing in English? Oh, absolutely. It's way more comfortable writing in English. I've tried writing in Farsi. Every time I write, this is the thing on a musical level. Let me explain that Farsi lyrics are the most important part of a song. In a, in a Persian song, the lyrics are the most important thing. They get the main focal point. Mm. Okay. In music, I learned that the music gets the main focal point, that it doesn't matter what's being said lyrically the music needs to be on point that's what i want to say it wasn't that i felt i was better it was that our focal points were so different right my focal point was like hey musically this needs to be like incredible and they were like no but the melody doesn't match what's going on with the lyrics so we have to change this and we have to change this and the melody that you came up with it's not matching the emphasis of the syllable that it has to match on this farsi lyric now i'm getting kind of technical but that's that's a huge challenge interesting am i making sense yeah well yeah, for sure i mean that's actually no one has said that in in that way before and that's very helpful to me you are absolutely right that the great I mean, other than the ones that we consider poets, like Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen or whatever, the great the great songs in in rock and roll music or in pop are usually not about the lyrics. They're usually about a great melody uh, and whatever the lyric is, she loves you. Whatever it doesn't, it's not. It's a little less important. But it yeah. is the inverse in Persian pop or music. It is usually the lyric that is elevated. It's the one that people talk about. It's that it's it's the one that is cherished. You're absolutely right. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So on a musical level, I would just be tuning in on these Persian songs and being like, oh, my God, that sounds like the last one. That sounds like the other one. Yes. Why are they all sounding the same? Yes. But then my dad or someone Persian would listen to the songs and be like, oh my God, what a great song. And it's because they were connecting more with the lyrics. They were connecting with it on a completely different level. They listened and they grew up with different ears. Yes. The ears that I grew up with in America, like how I learned to listen yes. to music is so different than the way that they learned to listen to music. And so that was the clash and that was causing me to have to hold back so much on what I focused on on the musical level just so I could break that barrier to get through and be like, hi, I'm here and my name is Rana Mansour. That is so interesting because I... It, it, that explains a lot. Yeah, I mean, in, in some cases where the 
the music that it really isn't that satisfying because as you say it, it can sound cookie cutter or something is not the focus and maybe we hear things differently depending on where we grew up we By actually the way, check out a song that i did with this italian singer alessandro it's called mi porsa i wrote that one too that one i wrote i wrote a lot of stuff i wrote but like not as much as Shohar Pulo, Shohar you wrote, yeah, because that's interesting. Because in the in the YouTube, the the lyrics, did, the you, lyrics did your dad, dad? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I did the music. Now, I don't. I don't write lyrics in Farsi. I did one lyric in Farsi, and it was a total disaster. I found this so interesting <laughs> to me that your dad. Not only did your dad write lyrics that you sometimes use, and I'm really curious about how you guys work together, you know, but the fact that, for example, the song Zan that you mentioned uh, earlier, which is, you know, an empowering yeah. song sung by a woman called Zan, was lyrically written by your father. Is that right? Yeah, lyrically written by my dad, musically written by a guy in Iran. That's fascinating. Let me play a bit of yeah. Zan. This is from 2019, Rana Mansour Zan. That song yeah, we were, we were doing women's rights songs before it was like the thing to do. <laughs> I just, your dad must be, a he's a very interesting guy, I guess. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's amazing. So what's the relationship like when your dad's, what, how, how does this work? Your dad goes, hey, honey, I think I got some lyrics for you. Is that, how, how, how do the songs come out like that? My dad and I are very, very close. My mom and I are close too, but in, in two very different, completely different ways. My mother is such a, like, she's probably the classiest, like, lady I've ever known. She's super just demure and such a lady. And then my dad is the very, like, fiery, you know, passionate. So, and so am I. And so it's a very wonderful and also, like, crazy dynamic between he and I because it's a constant power struggle of who's going <laughs> to... Who's going to lead? Who's I mean, are fall? you allowed to, uh, uh, you know, can you say to him, no, that second line sucks? Or does Oh, the I say to him all the time. I don't hold back with him. <laughs> okay. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And you're not going to make me budge. It is, <laughs> I got my stubbornness from him, my hard headedness right. from him. Um, and how yeah. does he deal with it if you reject some of his lyrics? <sighs> aggressively <laughs> it just it it's it's an explosive i have a very loving but also very explosive relationship with my dad i mean oh god don't even like you know the 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 getting me into my dating and my love life and all that stuff but we're not going to talk about that we're not going to discuss that because like i said i'm rana rana zen now <laughs> Meaning you figured that part out? Is that going? That's going well, and no more burning bridges. All right. <laughs> so your your dad gets involved in that too. In which part? In the the social life. 
Um, yes, he does because he can't have, if someone goes and like attacks me, for example, on social media, he'll go and respond. No, that's obvious. That's more. He used to, and I'd have to be like, dad, rein it in, rein it in. (laughs) (sighs) But, but if you're, he, he has opinions about who you're dating and, uh, see, this is going to, this gets confusing when you're actually working together musically as well. The dating thing is so hard actually, because there's even people that I haven't even dated before that apparently I have dated and word has gotten around to my dad that I dated that person. So it's hard for him because people know me and they know him, they know he's my dad. So they'll go and they'll say stuff. Oh, I heard this. You should be careful. And then I'll hear, I'll get a call from him and he'll be angry and emotional. And I'll be like, dad, did you even like ask me if that was true? So that's another thing that's so difficult. I'm, I'm going again. I'm queen tangent, my God. Is he in D.C.? Where is he? Dad is in, yeah, dad is in D.C. So yes. you, you have separation of state and state. You ha- you're in yes. L.A. and he's in he's Yeah, in but D.C. somehow words still, it's like telephone, you know. <laughs> wow. This is quite poru. Like somebody... Call literally. Well, I guess it's the pipeline. It's the Persian community. They'll see mm-hmm. you talking to somebody at a mahmuni, and then the next thing you know, at a gala, you've spoken to somebody, and there's a phone call to your dad. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Recently, even like basically anything. It doesn't even have to be with love life. It's everything, basically. I mean, what we do is in the public eye, you know, and and people talk, and people like to stir the pot. You know, um, this is something that my dad has. I, I'm learning that my my dad is very much a part of this as I am. He is an enormous part of this, in fact. Mm. And in fact, I should be giving him a lot more credit than I've done in the past. Um, him pushing me as much as he has, him insisting on the things that he's, like he insisted on Zen. I'm gonna tell you, he insisted on it. And I procrastinated and procrastinated and procrastinated. I did it and it ended up being a, a, a big thing, you know? Um, the Sweet Sixteen album. I am hmm. so embarrassed about. This I couldn't album. find it, by the way. Yeah, I tried to look for me. it. <laughs> Where is it? I I was I scoured the internet. I couldn't find it. I absolutely refuse <laughs> for it to be out there. <laughs> I refuse. It was all original material. I was sixteen years old. It's probably great. I was great. so lucky to have him do that. He sponsored that whole experience for me. Had I not had that experience of being in the recording studio at the age of 16 before I left for Berkeley College of Music. I mean, he's been prepping me without him or I even knowing it. He's a photographer. He's a, a videographer. That's what he studied. So he's got that artistic side. And since I was three picking notes out on the piano at my aunt's house, he was sticking the camera in my face. So... I had that exposure. I'm so very, very lucky. And there's never been a resentment. Like, uh, Dad, you're trying to live vicariously through me. Stop it. I, you know, I want to do my own thing. Leave me alone. No, he and I have had, a, like I said, it's a very loving but also very explosive relationship. <laughs> he and I have definitely had our moments where, like, I can't. he's said, you're not my daughter anymore so many times to me. It's not even funny. Wow. But but because of the the deep bond that he and I have, it's like above these words. It's an intense, it's a very just intense relationship. He cares very, very deeply about me and he cares very deeply about my career. He's very much invested into it. Does he does he have an opinion on wh- whether you're doing uh, work in Persian or in English? 
I told him that he was just recently out here visiting me in LA and he just left. And I, while he was here, I was like, dad, I gotta go to the studio. And he, he helped me so much. Cause I work like 80 hours a week. I have this other like thing that I'm doing and like has nothing to do with music and it's crazy. So I have a dog. I'm trying to take care what of What other thing? Why, what, if it's crazy, what is it? What, what's the other thing? No, no, no. It's not crazy. Oh. Sorry. Did I say it's crazy? Yeah, I, yeah. What I was saying is crazy is oh, my schedule. Your schedule is crazy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that's not crazy. It's, in fact, very, very boring. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, it's just something that I, I have to do for work. And uh, so my dad came out here to help and, and take care of my dog and cook and just kind of help out and relieve some of the workload for me. And um, he, you know, so after work, I would go to the studio because he saw that I'm starting to be creative again. The bag. Yeah. The bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm seeing it. Like he's hearing the new songs. You know, I'm going back to some of the older songs. So he's seeing it. And he's really excited, I think. He's like, great, do it. Do your English stuff. I know you've been wanting to do it for such a long time because I've been really, Gian, like really been wanting to do it for a really long time. I've put it on the back burner for yeah. the last 10 plus, 10 to 15 years so that I could, like I said, do this Persian thing and just get some recognition, get known, feel like I've gotten to a certain place in my in, in my musical career. I've, I've gained a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready for, for something new. Man, I love the version of that song. The piece uh, Sepi de Dam, uh, originally by Javad Yasari, that's Random Answer. Do you, do you feel like the same person in Persian and English? Uh, if I were to ask, who is the real Rana? Because you do have an eclectic mix of things you do. Look, I mean, you are, you put Elvis Costello to shame. You know, he's you, you've got that there's jazz. And then at one point there's like a bebop thing. And then yeah, that got, was the thing that they told me too. Thanks for being that. They were like, yeah, you're not going to, because we can't, we can't pinpoint you right that was now, but also. but what's interesting about that now people do that and, and people make great careers doing that but when i listen to you in english at least the stuff that i've had access to because i don't know the sweet 16 was not available to yeah. me uh yeah. it, it you don't necessarily you sound maybe not the different person because it's your voice but uh I wonder if you feel like the same person when you're performing in english as you do when you're performing in persian Oh my God, no, no! I feel so liberated when I'm singing in English. Right, that's so interesting. Liberated. That would have like, been just my thinking guess. Thinking about it makes me excited. That would have been my guess. Well, that uninhibited and liberated. All right. Yeah, because that's my thing. That's like, you know, it's like breathing. There's very few people I think that can really pull off. I was trying to think of artists who are truly bicultural, you know, who kind of, and it's usually when they have a very specific style and they just change the language. So like Shakira, 
can sing in English, but she's still playing the same music that she does. And, you know, or Nelly Furtado does Portuguese, but it's really, but otherwise, when I was thinking of examples, I was thinking about how different people sound in different, and I, and I sometimes feel like when I'm speaking Farsi, um, I don't feel totally like the same person. I, I can't be funny in the same way or I can't no. be, you know, you know, so <laughs> that surely translates into music, music, right? And expression. It's expressing. It's expressing yourself. That's that's what it is. And I don't even think it's music. I think it's expression. Like, oh, I can finally feel free to express myself fully without having to worry about my bills being paid you know what i'm it's that too also gian it's not just the it's not it's like not just on a spiritual level but also on a practical level i had to get to that point because i really struggled as an independent artist i struggled financially so much and when you are struggling financially as an artist it's not easy to create it's really difficult you don't have the time because you have to work all these jobs to make ends meet you know what i mean but there's a circuit as a Persian artist. Getting back to when you you know you said you kind of went into the, partly I mean, doing the Persian music money? because it makes you new. yeah. There's a circuit yeah. that doesn't actually exist. I mean, this thing of playing private parties, for example, in mm-hmm. L.A. There aren't like indie singer songwriters in in Toronto who are singing in English who necessarily have access to a, a bunch of you know a scene of galas and parties where they can play money. No, they don't. We make, were very lucky. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting that can, can you explain that circuit? Like, how, how does that work? Because the yeah. closest thing in the English culture, party is, circuit. Yeah. yeah, I started off doing weddings here when I moved out here, because Shahbal Shahpeta actually introduced me to Persian music. Right. Yeah, and he was like, "Just learn all the covers and come sing for Black Cats, and start doing weddings with us." And that was when Kamyar was doing. Uh, that was when he was in Black Cats. So he and I became friends then. So we started doing weddings inside, learned how to do that. And I continued to do that um, for a couple of years. And then I decided I don't want to do weddings anymore, but I'm going to keep doing private parties. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, okay, for me, I'm not judging anyone else. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, I was like, not doing weddings anymore. Done. Mm -hmm. I did it. I got what I needed to get out of it. Moving on. know charity events let's do charity events so then i started to do a a lot of charity events for a bunch of different organizations out here we're so lucky i mean you're absolutely right i'm so 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 lucky that they asked me to perform at their events you know and we were able to make money you know doing that exactly a lot of my american um artists American musician friends, they look at me and they're like, oh my God, you're doing so well. They're working at a diner. Yeah. This is is an interesting paradox that I wanted to actually illuminate because uh, when it comes to you in particular. Then I'll look at them and be like, but you're doing songs in English and I'm not. You know what I mean? Well, well, here's the the paradox. You tell me if you agree. The paradox is that the big prize, in other words, if you really want to become an international star that, and, and all that comes with that, including the material success, and everything, that's available in English. Uh, you cannot really make that kind of career in Persian music, save three people, four people, you know, we, we all know their names, uh, or at least it's tough. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you went into Persian music because there was money to be made in private parties and gigs that you can't make in English music until you get to that, that level. I, you know what? I, I believe we're changing the game of those three names. 
Uh huh. You think there's like? I think we're uh, totally uh, changing the game. How many more? Can I we think add? we have already changed the game. Uh huh. Because of the fact that we insisted on being independent, like anybody who's ever started doing anything new, anyone who's ever took the first step to do something that nobody else has done or not many people are doing, it's a rough, it's rough at first. Mm. And then it becomes a wave. And then it becomes like the thing that everybody wants to do. But at first, it's really hard to like break that. Like artists like me and Kamir, Kamir also started a very long time ago. Something happened in that country politically that changed everything and it changed our music and it held us back for two decades. What happened? What are you talking about? I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> so, so, the, so everything became Los Angeles for two decades. Right. But like, you know, but you know, Rana, yeah, you, this will be familiar to you. Uh, there's so many, there are a number of really great artists uh, outside of Iran now performing yeah. and but there's a lot of heartache too in the sense that because that system of remuneration of copyright of publishing of royalties and all that doesn't exist because that's where the main audience is is still back in this country that's you know behind sort of an iron fence um whether it's your buddy Airfon or whether it's uh hamed nikpay or ali azimi these people we've had on the show who all say it's really hard to make money because our audience isn't available to us and nor are the royalties that a western musician or an artist or a songwriter would be getting right the focus so, does not need to be about the money that is the problem okay if you want to become an if you want to make money as an artist <sighs> I don't know. I've got, I'm at a point where I'm just like, make money doing something else, okay? And focus on your art. I, I disagree with you. I think the money okay. is important. The problem is, as long as artists are not making a lot of money, it will continue to enable Persian parents to say to their talented guitarist, piano player, Rana Mansour singer kid, you know, Sorry, uh, you need to go into engineering because look, even the most successful people, even Rana, who's the best singer in the world, can't make money at this. She's not making enough money at this. No, That's the problem. Make, we're, we've made good money doing it. No, whoever, no, they, they, you, no. no I have, I've, done, I've made pretty good money. Not doing compared it, to what you would make as a Western consistent. artist. It's not consistent. You know the story of Farid Zolon and all these people who've you know, written incredible songs and haven't made the kind of money that 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 they would if they had been Western songwriters. You know all that, right? It's well, that's but that's because they haven't had. It's it's a very um, the respect of a of an industry of that things. appreciates creative work. Yeah. A lot of things involved in it. I'm not saying that the money's not important. The money's important. I'm just saying that there's so many factors involved. At the end of the day, whether you start now as an artist, whether you start now or you start tomorrow, stop giving your art away exclusively. Uh, <laughs> copyright everything that you do and create 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 all right since we've mentioned since we've mentioned some of the the big names let me ask you about playing with them and 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 playing in front of them and 
<clears throat> this performance that I thought was um, amazing that you uh, <laughs> that you're already issuing disclaimers about that there wasn't a sound check or whatever you you sang at the tribute concert for Ebby, uh 50 years in the business in 2017 you sang Shabzadeh yeah, and, and that you so brought cool. you brought the house down and I know you don't you look at the numbers but this has you know li- literally over a million views on YouTube first has of all has it gotten over a million has yes it over a it's million? huge let, let me play a bit of it first of all so people yes. can know what we're talking about yeah. And high five over Zoom. Come on, come on, give me a high five. Yes! Aziz Puri, a ham kabile, ru aspe korbat, che khosh nishasti. Tuin velayat, a ba esalat, tomunde budi. at the tribute concert for Abby in 2017. <laughs> Let me explain a few things to people here because this is this, I find this really important. First of all, what you just heard there was live. This wasn't it recorded in a studio with editing, with tuning, with uh, uh, you know auto tuners, with devices, with uh, multiple takes. That was a live performance. Secondly, that's someone who grew up, who was born in, in the States, grew up in the West, has never been to Iran, singing in tribute to an Iranian music legend in Farsi. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is amazing to me. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing to me. I think that's I fantastic. I tell you that like, you have really made me, like, I don't do this a lot. I don't go back and say, you know, Rana, like you should pat yourself on the back. I don't do that. And um, you know, you're, you're doing that for me and it feels really good. Cause you told me you're like, it went over a million. I'm like, Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. You know, it's pretty great. That's really good. How? Tell tell me about that experience. What was that night? So what did it, what did it mean to you? Yeah, go ahead. It was so nerve wracking. Pretty much everybody was there. There were a lot of people that were there that have been in the in the industry for a really long time. It was very intimidating because I could literally feel their energy of like. I don't know. I, I it was mixed, you know. It's like I could I, when you're looking out on the crowd and you're performing, and then also I had just uh, 
been given that song. So I had to memorize the lyrics. I had the lyrics. It was like a million things were going how, how, on. How long did you have to memorize the lyrics? Like, when did they I tell you? I learned. The night before, we had a concert with Faramaz Aslani uh-huh. in Toronto, actually. So we we flew in after a concert. We hopped on a plane like a red eye. Where was it? In LA? Yeah. I was vocally exhausted. I was like... What if you screw up the lyrics in front of uh, Abby, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 There was... Oh, my heart was racing. My heart was racing, you know? And it was, it, it was a huge, huge honor, you know, for me to have been like invited there to do that because I was still a new newcomer and... You know what I mean? I mean, in terms of like everyone else that was in that room. Um, you seem like, I mean, I I know enough performers to know that um, you don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, you know, Tony Bennett once told me that he, had, he gets butterflies every time he goes on stage still, you know. But you seem very in command and control. Like it doesn't, you don't look like someone who has anything phasing you. Yeah. Uh, because you know, because you're, good you know you know that you're gonna hit the notes you know that you're gonna be able to um do do you still get nervous in situations I've, like that oh absolutely i've also made a lot of mistakes you know i mean we're talking about like many many years of experience of performing live you know the mistakes you hear that uh, the rest of us don't hear well no the mistakes get are well i mean yeah mistakes that i hear but also like actual mistakes so my point is is that i've gotten good at covering things up that was my point. Right. I've gotten good at, at hiding it. I've gotten good because at the end of the day, I've learned that what matters is the experience you're giving to people. They're not going to be focused on, oh, she messed up this lyric or she messed up this. Even if you do so, what? Smile. Sing your butt off. Like, put on a show. You know, that's what goes on in my head. It's like, show them who you are. I don't have to be the best entertainer, but you know what? I'm going to smile through that flip up I just had. I'm still going to make it a good performance. I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to hide. And I still get the butterflies and nervous because it's excitement. Because I just love performing so much. I feel, I feel like I'm myself when I'm on the stage. After you do a gig like that, um, where, as you say, almost everybody's in the room. Yeah. Does it change everything the, the next? I mean, is it like in the old days going on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and the next day you got a pile of offers? <laughs> it for things? did. It, it was a huge, it was a huge, it was a definitely a next level up for me that wasn't expected. And I'm so grateful to Ebby for that opportunity. So incredibly, incredibly grateful. That was That was really great what they did for me, yeah. Speaking of playing with legends and playing with well-known artists, you recently were, uh, I mean, maybe the biggest thing you've done most recently is, is to co-host this show called Replay, which I think shot in Sweden, and it involved uh, bringing a bunch of well-known Persian artists together, and then they perform and sort of cross-pollinate with each other. You, you were co-hosting this and performing yourself. It's called Replay on NBC Persia. What was that experience like for you? <laughs> it was such an amazing, amazingly amazing experience. It was also very tumultuous and very, very exciting. And um, just so many things happened behind the scenes as they always do. Mm-hmm. And I was also in my personal life going through something. I mean, I, I, you know, I was going through a divorce and like just, you know, a lot of things. So um, 
that was also another step for me. Mm. And I'm so grateful because I'd never been a host before. So that was another platform that I feel really put me in a, in a good spotlight. I, I, again, I'm not following the numbers. I hope it's circling around. I hope, I really hope people like the show. Honestly, I really, really hope so. Um, I want to see immediate results, but like, I think it takes time. Maybe that's why I also don't watch the numbers too, because it's like watching a, a pot, like the, for the water to boil, you got to give things time. Is it going to continue? Are there going to be more seasons of replay? I certainly hope so. Right now, they're just uh, doing the replay. <laughs> they're, re they're replaying the replay. It was an amazing experience. I'd never hosted before. I had to do everything in Farsi, so I had to memorize a lot of lines on the day of. I actually didn't have a lot of preparation before I before I left, and it was so awesome to be put in the position of host and artist all in, in one show. You know, I was watching an interview with you from 2015. It wasn't even that long ago, right? Six years ago. And uh, your Farsi wasn't perfect. I mean, it was kind of like mine, you know, mine, like, like mine is now, uh, you, know, you know, which I consider deficient. I mean, uh, I'll speak for a minute and then search for a word. And then, uh, and now, I mean, it's, it feels like in the last few years, you've catapulted to the next level of uh, golden Farsi. Farsi speaker, right? <laughs> it's gotten better. Good. <laughs> nice. I felt like that too. I felt that it really helped. I learned a lot of new words. Just an honor. I feel really lucky. I feel so grateful and lucky to have had these experiences to like meet so many wonderful people and work with so many amazing people and like watch our production reach so many viewers. Like, you know, we're doing stuff. We're, mm. we're doing things. We're making things happen. The results may not happen overnight. It's frustrating. I know it's been a long road for Iranian artists. Mm. It's been a long, it's still a long road. I mean, the, the crossover road, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing things through rose colored glasses. I really don't know. Um, I, I, I thought to myself, because I've heard you talk about the lawsuit uh, before, uh, that I, I'm going to try and do this interview without asking you about the lawsuit because uh, you get a, one gets tired of talking about lawsuits I'm write a after book. a while. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> Please do. But yeah. I, I am so grateful for the time you've given us for the um, the candor, uh, uh, the jousting, all, all every part of it, all of it. Uh, it's I'm I'm very. Um, I'm very grateful. Let me, a final question before I ask you, but we, you've just released a new song, which we should, I want to play as we yeah. go out and ask you about. But before that, tell me what, what it's about for you these days, if you can really uh, be on it. But, but, uh, yes, this career, Birok. I mean, do, do you, do you want international stardom? Do you want lots Absolutely. of money? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Nobody knows that about me, but now they know. <laughs> I, a lot of people have come and said, oh, you come across this like really, you know, I, I'm definitely shy. There's a there's a side to me that is very, very introverted, you know, really insecure, incredibly insecure, like deeply, hmm. deeply. And people don't see that side. They don't know that side. And I keep to myself a lot. I hold a lot of pain to myself, which is not healthy. And I'm learning how to have healthy outlets for that. Mm. But I can't change who I am. I'm always going to be that way. I'm always going to just kind of, but I'm incredibly, like, when I want something, I want it. Even if it takes until, like, the age of 65 for me to get there. When you're on a life path, any life path at all, 
you're it's a, it's like an adventure i mean life is an adventure people are going to come and try to thwart your success and they're going to do this and say that you know and they're going to try to dim your light and you have got to fight through that and i am and i will continue to do it with love by being a good person being a better person you know what i'm saying but i'm going to go after it and i am going after it and everything that has happened to me and for me up to this point is preparing me for that i know that now more than ever i think that's true i think that's <laughs> inevitably true we are the product of everything we've has come before and yeah. uh, you're certainly on on it's on quite everything a... i've ever worked for hmm. i've sacrificed so much like i sacrificed having a love life you know having children i don't have a husband i don't have kids and in fact, my two failed marriages are the result of me wanting this so bad, you know, and not being able to properly give to a relationship. You know what I mean? You don't think you could be in a relationship and do what you do? Um, I think that I can. Absolutely, I do. I believe that I can have it all. I'm not ready for that right now because of my past and because of the things that I've gone through, like relationship, love life level, I'm still healing. Mm. And I'm just like so happy to be single and really focus on self-love because I, I really believe that at the end of the day, you need to have the best relationship with yourself before you can even think about having a committed relationship with another human being. Like your relationship with yourself has to be so solid. And that's what I'm working on. Don't you think if somebody meets you at this point, and gets into a relationship with you at this point that they they would understand that you're they're gonna have to understand yeah that you're random and sewer that they're gonna have to but you'd you'd be surprised what a huge th weight that can be on your partner's shoulders if mm. they're truly truly not ready to take that on mm. and choosing the right partner has a lot to do with it also of course yeah i yeah. mean because people aren't perfect and love isn't everything Love is not enough to make a relationship last. Oh, I see. I see. The long haul. I thought you meant it as a general statement. Love isn't everything, and I was kind of like, oh, yes, it is. No, but it's got to be. I see. In a, no, in, to make in a relationship, like, love absolutely. Is great. Yeah. Love is great for passion yeah. and excitement, yes. but it's love is not. <laughs> it's not the most stable thing. There's a, there's things that, that you got to have that. You got to really be on the same page. And do you um, think that uh, <laughs> I, the last thing I do on this program is get into you know gossipy sort of but uh, but do you do you do you do you think that I, I mean really you know but do you but do you think being with another musician or artist it, it, what have you learned about that is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think I'm going to have to be with another artist, and mm. I think. I, and in fact, I've only been with artists. Well, that's why I'm asking. If, if, if you, yeah. It's one of the lessons maybe not to be with an artist. Not being with an artist? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm open. I'm open. Okay, like I said right now, I'm really just focusing on myself. But like, I'm, op I'm open to... This is not Randall Mansour's dating profile, by the way. Okay, like we're not doing Randall Mansour available, and what it, I know that you're not doing. That. It's I'm no, just it's that inadvertently turned. It, yes, yeah. But any like but, but our e but our email address <laughs> is info at Rook Media. If you know someone who no no, no I, I 
yeah, I've been told to, that it's better to, because I'm an artist, you know, to kind of uh, sometimes to be with a non-artist is the best thing because, Maybe. you know, it's or yin and yang. Who's you know? so comfortable in himself with where he's at. Ah, yeah, you know, You've so that there's yeah. not that level of competition because that will come up. And if the if the competition comes up, it should be playful. It should never lead to like resentment. It should be like we're in a healthy way, making each other better. So if that competition is there and, That's... you know, I kind of I would like that, actually, that would be really fun. You know, in some ways, I, I also believe that there's a reason why you know, Hollywood actors date Hollywood actors and musicians date music. And it's not just because there are other, fa it, it, it's because, it's because not just because they can date a famous person, but, but because they're to a certain extent, they're the only people who understand them, you know? Uh, another artist may be the only person yeah. who really, at your level, uh, who really understands the nature of your sort of commitments and, and, and life. Um, yeah. But uh, I, the most important part of this is to filter it all through your father. That's uh, and make sure that he has the say. <laughs> uh, I do not need my dad can, calling me. If you like, could, if you could give me his number, I can consult with him. You out with who? <laughs> what? I could go through profiles of people and send them to him uh, before he, you know, giving them to you to make sure that he's, uh, you know, he can write the lyrics and uh, yeah. Uh, tell us about this new song that you've uh, you've just just put up on uh, Spotify. Ahenge be Matafat. So I debuted a couple new songs on the NBC replay. This yeah. was one of them. Is this the live version that you did there, or is this a no, recording? No, no, no. This is the official. The official recording. And you have a song coming out with our, our dear friend Bob Ack as well. Yeah, that's his song. I covered that on the show because. Part of the concept of the show was that they would have a lead artist and then that lead artist would would um, perform their own songs and then there were other guest artists on the show they would perform their own songs and then the lead artist would be surprised by one of those artists to cover one of the lead artist's songs so they asked me to cover Bobak's song when he was the lead artist right, right. for at the third episode when you were doing replay who was the most surprising uh, I mean, it's such a cool thing to be sitting there and you have amazing. all these these really amazing Iranian artists yeah. coming in that probably yeah. some of them you didn't know before, right? Uh, personally, yeah. who was the most surprising connection for you? That that somebody that you just really hit it off with that you hadn't expected to, to become friends with? Um, Gwonar and, and uh, Mahan. Because I didn't know them at all. I didn't know their art. I didn't know their music. Sh she's an incredible musician. She knows her craft very, very well. Again, going back to the whole sacrificing artistic integrity thing, like because I have that education, I know when someone else knows their shit. Hmm. I really liked their music a lot. You must have thought about what it's like to play in Iran. Do you do you yeah. fantasize about having, getting to do a tour in Iran in some Absolutely. future? I'm yeah. manifesting it. <laughs> Definitely. Please, please it manifest it. We need we need somebody. I'm burn some sage. <laughs> Uh, listen, it's been it's been so great, uh, and I've been so looking forward to this. And one of the fun things about getting to prepare for uh, an interview like this is to immerse myself in the person's craft. So just spending the last week listening to your music and your voice has been really uh, a special 
adventure for me that I'll get, I'll always remember. And, and, uh, obviously I'll continue listening, but, um, so thank you. Thanks for yes, taking the time. I haven't heard anything yet. What well, the bag, the most important, <laughs> uh, the only takeaway from the interview for everybody yeah. is the bag. What, when we do we get to, to hear, hear the bag? Yeah. We need to hear the real Randall Mansour. She's coming. We're excited. Thank you. Hope to see you soon in person. Say hi to the doggy and, um, Merci. Aww, thanks, Gian. This was one of my absolute favorite, favorite interviews. I could probably even say it was my most favorite. That's really sweet. Thank yeah. you. Thank Talk you. To you soon. Bye. Bye. Iranian American singer songwriter, the remarkable Rana Mansour. Rana joined us from Los Angeles, California today. باز برای من قصه نساد چی سرت گرمه بگو اون عشقی که گفتی کجا بهم میگی سرت شلوغه همش دروغه از بس که پپر میزنی این در اون در میزنی بهت میگن عوض شدی به سیم آخر میزنی ته این رابطه معلومه دیگه تمومه چرا با این حال بعد ساختی ازم یادم بی روح و سرد آخه بی مرفت بی اینو بدون خودت میخواستی باشه این عشق بینمون رفتی و پا گذاشتی رو آیندمون چی شد اون عشقمون اون عشقمون There you go. The brand new song from Rana Mansour, Be Mad of Fat. Nice to get to play that. That's uh, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon. Microphones are back on. How about that, Rana Mansour? She's wildly talented and she mm-hmm. writes her own music. That's impressive. I'm shocked. Radio Javon would not play her music? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that to me is like appalling. But like literally, you guys mm. have seen it. Every week they release, I'm s- excuse me for saying this, but garbage and they're not playing Rana Mansour. <laughs> <laughs> Shocked. Yeah, I don't, that's the, that's the thing. Look, I don't know about that. Like I feel like, but again, I don't know the full scope of the story, but to me it's like, all right, you're an, you were an unknown singer you propose your music to them and they said no so they're going to they're doing they probably do that to a million other singers okay, uh, they're like, not going to take just about anything I, I, they they literally release like some random singer every week like I know, a new but this like a hairdresser that started yeah. d- decided to sing all of a sudden you know yeah. <laughs> and i'm not i have no ties to radio javan i'm not <laughs> defending sure? them whatsoever i don't even know them <laughs> but uh, i'm i'm looking at it from like a pr- perspective of uh, a content creator right like i make movies i go to netflix I, there are a lot of shit on netflix that is worse than my movies but if they don't take mine it's just simply it's a business decision that person that I, you talked to was interested it sounds like there was some personal issue but anyway uh, that's maybe. my opinion I don't know no but generally Radio Javan uh, sometimes doesn't deal with artists fairly you know mm. and I, I think what Rano wants to say is that the platform they don't have to uh, act selectively like you I like your music I don't like your music I you oh. y- platform you have to be mm. all of this is animated by the fact that it's it's the only game in town that's the mm. problem mm. you know it's like yeah. it can make and break careers to a certain extent yeah. it seems 
Uh, Anyway, something I really liked about what she was just saying that I I really didn't, I mean, it makes so much sense to me, but I don't think I've thought about it enough before, is the idea that Persian songs, even Persian pop music, are much more focused on the lyrics than the music, Mm. and, and it is the inverse in Western pop music. I mean, to a certain extent, in some cases, it doesn't even matter uh, I can think of huge hit songs where the lyrics were relatively banal mm. in English, uh, but the but you know it was all about the melody. It's all about the whereas yeah. you know she was saying the way her dad or others listened to Persian pop, it's like they put the primacy on the lyrics, and if that the lyrics are satisfying, it almost doesn't matter as much what the yeah. music around it is or the rhythm or if it's cookie cutter or whatever. That's fascinating. That yeah. that divide mm-hmm. that delta. And also the other thing that's fascinating for me that her dad wrote uh, uh, probably uh, some other songs for Rana, but these two songs, Zan mm. and Shohar Fuldar, the fact that her dad wrote that man yek zanam yeah. or Shohar Fuldar name Kham, it's so it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very yeah. interesting. He's an intre- clearly an interesting guy. And clearly they have a, uh, a most fascinating relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah. that uh, yeah. par- apparently is tumultuous and loving <laughs> and all the things that you would expect a creative couple to uh, to be. Well, um, thanks to Randomize for, for coming on. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about it. You can post on our platforms or email us at info at rookmedia.com. Remember, if you like what you're hearing on this program, become a patron of Rook at uh, rookmedia.com. Press the support us button. It really helps us out. So, it's Thursday. You guys all know what that means. She's a dear friend, a diaspora blend, a gym workout cat, and a bicultural brat. But lovable, smart, and funny, and on a journey to discover what we actually discovered. Here we go, Batshaw. It's all Persian to us with Kion Nademi. Right, Kiana. You teased us earlier I with sure something did. tantalizing you've come up with for this week's uh, invention, mm-hmm. Persian discovery. What is it? Well, summer has officially arrived in Toronto. We're now, what is it, like 29 degrees outside? People are starting to come outside to run, swim, and really just breathe after months of being cooped up indoors during the winter months. Well, sometimes the heat can just be a little too much, and dare I say, unbearable. I know, I know. It's sacrilegious to even say that in Toronto after a miserable winter here. But really, spending a few hours outside in the heat can really feel unescapable sometimes. Well, humans found a crafty way to cope with all that heat. It comes in many different forms, but what we know for sure is it's sweet, creamy, cool, Mm. and can sometimes cause brain freeze. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. yes, ice cream. You scream. We all scream. The cops show ice up. Cream. It gets weird. Then they scream, too, for ice cream. <laughs> Believe it or not, this sweet delight and gift of the gods oh. was invented by our ancestors, oh, the Persians. No. We invented ice cream. Yeah. Oh, this is insane. I think I... If I knew this, I'd forgotten, because this is a big one. Yeah, I mean, can you blame them? Imagine being stuck outside in 40-degree <laughs> weather in the middle of desert for hours. 
if it ain't suicide, it had to be ice cream. <laughs> it makes sense, too, because they did, in fact, invent the first refrigerator or the yachchal, after all. Right. So it's only natural that they invented that icy sweet treat and sweet relief from the heat. Pardon me as I bow down to the genius inventors for saving all our lives. Put me in 40 degree weather for a few hours and I probably give up my firstborn for Bastani. <laughs> Don't you just love that word, Bastani? So but anyway, the first evidence of ice cream was found around 550 BC in, you guessed it, the Persian Empire. Those crafty Persians were mixing ice with grape juice, fruit juice, honey, or really any pleasantly tasting flavors to produce an ice cream-like treat. Sounds like a slushy. Yeah, so this treat was called sharbat. Oh. And this is where the word for sorbet comes from, oh. sharbat, yes. And since most of the Persian Empire was quite hot, some might have even called ice cream survival back then. However, this delicacy was really hard and expensive to make, which made it a noble or royal dish. Of course, what did you expect? An affordable food of the gods to be affordable? Ha! <laughs> Eventually, the Persian Empire met its maker in the form of one Alexander the Great. Uh-oh. And soon the secret was out. After long days of fighting, pillaging, you know, the usual war stuff, our man Alex cooled down with the local fruit ices, or sharbat. Well, naturally, this was something to write home about, and soon... This ancient ice cream spread to Greece and Rome, where the nobility indulged themselves with this sweet and extremely expensive treat. You remember how a few months ago I revealed that the first refrigerator, or yachchal, was invented by the Persians? Yes. Well, which do you think came first, the ice cream or the fridge? Oh, it's the, the fridge. Chicken and egg. Ice cream, oh. believe it or not. Yes, the first, <laughs> yachchal, <laughs> the first yachchal made an appearance around 400 B.C., 150 years after the first evidence of ice cream, which means the Persians love their ice cream so much that it was imperative for them to come up with a way to preserve it essentially throughout the hot summer months. In comes the yachchal and out goes the stress. Ah, paradise. Also a word with Persian origins. But anyway, it was also around this time in 400 BC that another form of ice cream was invented by the Persians. A dessert made of rose water, saffron, vermicelli noodles, and fruits. It was a cross between a sorbet and rice pudding called Falude. Yes, well, as you know, the fate of the Persian Empire eventually changed around the Arab conquest in 651 AD. <sighs> Loud sigh. <laughs> and like with every other Persian invention, the Arabs adopted this sweet Persian treat. They even developed it further by adding milk and sugar, oh. which became a closer relative of modern ice cream as we know it. And soon later on in the 8th century, during the Arab invasion of Sicily in Italy, this version of ice cream spread there too, which further developed into gelato. gelato. Yes. The old version of ice cream known as sharbat made its way too, which later became known as sorbet. And from Sicily, these ice creams spread throughout Europe and soon the world. So if we look on the bright side, without the Arab invasion of Persia, ice cream might have never spread to the rest of the world. Just think what a sad, sad world that would have been. Right. So whether you lick, slurp, or bite into it, we can all agree that this is the most delicious dessert ever created. <laughs> Just imagine a world without ice cream. Madness. Madness, I tell you. <laughs> so I bow down to the great people who invented the first ice cream 2,500 years ago in a land called Persia. And in the end, it's all Persian to us. Oh. Very nicely delivered. What's your favorite ice cream? Uh, my favorite ice cream is um, hmm, 
there's a uh, uh, it's, it's some derivation of chocolate. I mean, I like pistachio mm. ice cream. I, I like heavenly hash. Heavenly uh, hash. What heavenly is hash. This? What are you talking about? Rocky Road. You mean like sounds, marijuana? Sounds like an ice cream. <laughs> yeah. What kind of ice cream are you? It's a heavenly hash ice cream. But uh, but you know, what I was thinking uh, we should demand a and next time you go to your local uh, ice cream parlor. Demand a commission, a royalty. I, right? That's know? what I'm thinking too. You should get man. a kickback as Persians. Nobody man. knows this, by the way. Reparations. Nobody. But <laughs> what I want to know is that we didn't have Yachchal. How did they make ice? So basically, they were collecting. So the reason why it's so expensive, they yeah. had, you know, like the royalty had servants basically go to the mountains and collect ice, <laughs> run all the way back down, <laughs> and then they would make it for like, you know, wow. however long it lasted. So I, I'm not sure actually how they preserved the ice as they were running back down oh. from the mountain but uh but yeah eventually they had to come up with Let's a not get technical, more effective right? way yeah Reza, <laughs> we, did, we invented it <laughs> yeah. by the way it sounds like the arabs invented the ice cream well know? okay so they added <laughs> there's always like some weird you know it's like yeah. we invented chess actually india invented it but then we invented it but then we took <laughs> yeah so they added milk and sugar but really yeah. we came up with the first we came prototype. up with some ice yeah. with mixed with blueberries <laughs> oh come on <laughs> we sent akbar to kuhistan yeah, like a like a <laughs> sweet we the first ice cream it was ice and some strawberry actually, mixed you, together you Spe- didn't well we had the first ice speaking of Akbar Mashti there's actually an interesting story so look into it I recommend everybody to read into it oh, it was yeah, the ice cream the, the, yeah how yeah, it came yeah. to be yeah in the 1920s well done. Thank you, Keon. It's all Persian to us. can be found at our website, rookmedia.com, if you want to look at uh, back episodes of it and find out what else we've discovered. The fabulous Keon Groovy Shia, uh, Captain Reza, thank you all for uh, your contributions today. The Rook On Air team, this is full time for Rook for today. Monday on this program, I believe, Rastok joining us for a full feature episode. The fabulous... Iranian folkloric group in Tehran. Rastok will be our guests on Monday. Our website for Rook, rookmedia.com, where you can check out our previous episodes, support the program, see our list of guests. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together each week. Producer Susan, Ponta the artist, Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon, Savvy Roham, Ahay Merdad, Master Muhammad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe on any platform you're currently on. If you've not done so already, find me at Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizun Bush.